Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. We Got Goals, a podcast by asweatlife.com on which we talk to high achievers about their goals. I'm Gina Anderson-Cohen. With me, we have Kristen Guile and Cindy Kuzma. Good morning. Good morning, Gina. Uh, Gina, you did the interview this week, right? I did. I talked to Diego Estrada, who is a professional runner. He is actually training right now for the Chicago Marathon among many other things, including his U.S. Olympic marathon goals. And Diego talks a lot in this podcast about A standards and B standards, and there's a lot of running lingo in there. And I I feel like what's really important for people to understand is not uh, the exact times and processes, but that it's actually pretty complicated for runners to qualify for the Olympics, especially as an American, it's very competitive. So you'll see a lot of runners like Diego, who had dual citizenship at the time, run for their other country or their home country or their country of origin. And so in 2012, Diego ran in the Olympics for Mexico, but he has really big dreams, as you said, of running uh, in to represent the United States. But like most of these runners who run for more than one country, he really feels strong ties to his homeland as well. So can did you get a sense from him about how all of that fit together and how he feels connected to both Mexico and the United States? I sure did. Uh, so Diego Estrada is incredibly tied to his Latino heritage, his Mexican-American heritage, but he also is proud to represent the United States. So he sort of has feet in both lands. He's proud to be a U.S. citizen. He's proud to run for the United States, but he's incredibly connected with Latinos in the Latino culture. And he made probably a two-minute statement about how important it was to him that people see Mexican-Americans and Latinos and Mexicans as hardworking people who are just people who work hard to do good things. So he, he definitely has ideas and interest in the betterment of the image of Latino people, especially in a time like right now. And, and I think that he's doing great work with the Latino American community and the Latino runners in Chicago and across the United States. So even on a trip like his trip that he just took to Chicago, he made time to run with Latino Americans here in the Chicago running community because it's important to, to make sure that everyone feels like they have opportunities to run, to be accomplished, and to achieve big things. So he, he sort of shows people that he is that standard, maybe not the standard, but he has done great things and, and they can too. 
And he's overcome some significant challenges in his career. He talked to you about some of those, right? Collapsed lung comes to mind. So when he talks about his first marathon trial and when he talks about what he overcame to get there, having a collapsed lung is nothing I would I would ever think that a person could overcome and then become really an endurance athlete. But he, A, did, and B, overcame the mental challenges that surrounded it. And really, I think the mental was was the harder part. And, and I think, Cindy, you, you think about this and talk about this all the time. Being injured impacts your brain just as much as your body. So I think his mental game was thrown off by his collapsed lung because he would experience pain and he'd have to decide in that moment, do I stop or do I push through it? Is it going to be nothing or is my lung going to collapse again? And when he finally did get over it, you'll hear him sort of debate those those two factors. I'm not going to spoil this for you, dear listener, but he does have to sort of weigh those two factors. Do I push through or do I sort of pull back and fear that it happens again? So he went through that tremendous mental and emotional challenge, and he carried around that baggage until he was fully ready to commit again. Excellent. Well, here is Gina with Diego. Yeah, I said I'll be on the road. I'll be back. I'm just reaching for a goal. So welcome to We Got Goals, Diego. You are a professional runner, an ASICS runner, and you're here in the Chicago Marathon office. First and foremost, can you tell me more about what you're doing here in Chicago? I'm just here being a part of the Bank of America Chicago Marathon, helping promote a bit, reaching out to the Hispanic crowd and everyone in general. But I went up to the Mexican Arts uh, museum, hanged out with a bunch of uh, local runners and people from around the area and just trying to help them promote, get them excited and fired up for the marathon. As a Mexican-American runner, you've run as both a Mexican runner and a United States runner representing both countries. Can you talk to me about kind of what that transition was like and what it meant for you to be uh, qualified for both countries at different points in your life? I think running for Mexico was almost... Not given, but if you were able to hit a world qualifying mark, it was almost a guarantee that you were going. So it was an easier setup, more peace of mind. Whereas now running for the U.S., you can have two A standards like I did last year, but then if something goes wrong, you show up to the championships and you get bounced off if you're not at your best. So there's definitely a, more of a challenging aspect as an athlete, but at the same time, it's more it's easier as a person just because you don't have to be traveling so much just for general stuff because everything's done in your country where you live now, which is now my home country. So uh, there's pros and cons, but I think at the moment I don't regret and I really enjoy my decision to represent the U.S. now. So can you talk to me about a big goal you've accomplished and what you did to get there? Probably going to the Olympics, which happened sooner than I thought it would. But it was a big goal, but it wasn't one that I would sweat over. So I just thought, like, (laughs) oh, maybe one day that'd be nice. And then I anticipated maybe 2016, but it happened in 2012. And unfortunately, 2016 didn't materialize. Mm -hmm. But yeah, no, it it was a big goal, and it just felt amazing to finally achieve it. So that's a long journey to make it to the Olympics. It it wasn't something you just decided on a Tuesday, and then you you ran ran in the Olympics that Thursday. You, You were a runner for a long time. So can you sort of talk about when you knew that running was going to be your future. Yeah, so I started high school in 2004, and at the time my goal was just to fulfill the requirement for the honors program I was in. And then when I got to college, I just really was looking for an education. So right around 2011 was when things started clicking, and 
that's when I hit the B standard in May of 2011. So I started having the idea that it'd be nice to go to the Olympics. But it wasn't really a possibility till May the following year when I hit the A standard. And then it became real. And it wasn't on a Tuesday, but <laughs> it was a, a few months before that that it became real. <laughs> and I thought about it. So along the way from running in high school to the Olympics and beyond the Olympics, you've encountered a few challenges. A collapsed lung comes to mind. A few do not finishes come to mind. So can you talk to me about how mentally and physically you overcame those things to be the athlete you are today? Back in 2009, I believe my lung collapsed. And then that was probably one of the most stressful moments just Mm -hmm. because I wasn't confident in my ability to be able to push myself again because if I felt the cramp I would slow down and that took almost a year for me to be comfortable so it wasn't until a year later at the NCAA cross-country championships I started cramping my diaphragm and I just didn't want to push myself around five miles into the 6.2 mile race the 10k race and at that moment was when I made the split decision that I was either going to collapse my lung again if that was really what I was feeling or I was going to be fine. So I pushed through it and mentally I was able to overcome. But throughout training, I wasn't able to push myself the year before. Because mm-hmm. I don't know if a lot of people have experienced a collapsed lung with a pneumothorax, but it feels really painful. And it's scary to being told that your lung is 25% collapsed. And if you go close to 30, you need medical attention ASAP. Mm-hmm. And the, when, when they pictured it with the vacuum and a tube going through my chest, it just scared me. And it, it wasn't a comfortable feeling. I've never thought at my age I'd, be, I'd have a doctor tell me that I could die. Mm. So that was tough. And then after that, I've, I've never really dropped out of a race. And the first time, I never wanted to drop out of a race. Mm-hmm. I would always finish them no matter what. But the Olympic trials in L.A. for the marathon mm-hmm. were so hot. That was my first marathon attempt. And I didn't want to drop out. But around mile 20, I cramped up and I took one last stride and I felt like my sacrum had cracked. So I just got on my knees and I couldn't really move anymore. Mm-hmm. So it was more like my body shut down. And of, of course, then th- there's mind games that start playing in your head. Mm-hmm. And then I went over to the track and ran the 10K. And after that DNF, my hamstrings were playing a big role in my training. So I cramped up again in another hot day in Eugene, dropped out again for the second time. So mm-hmm. at that point, you're contemplating the decisions you're taking and maybe it's not, it's not there anymore. Mm-hmm. So then showing up to Chicago last year, I ran the marathon, stepped in a bottle around 10K, and I went down to the ground, and believe me, I would have dropped out if it wasn't for the previous ones. Mm-hmm. But at that point, you're just like, man, am I, <laughs> if I drop out of this one, I'm never coming back. <laughs> and so I decided to take one step at a time, and at the time, I, my goal was just to finish the race, just to do it and mm-hmm. not drop out. But on the later stages, the race up front was so aggressive, and I wasn't mm-hmm. a part of it that by running a conservative race, I got back in the race in the later stages, and somehow I finished eighth, and I mean, that restored my confidence, and I hope to never drop out again after yeah. that. <laughs> so the Chicago Marathon is a special race for you for a few reasons, because one, it restored your confidence, and two, I mean, it's special for a lot of reasons. But can you, can you tell me why this race is a race that you choose to run time and time again? So it all starts with my coach, Joe B. Hill. He coached Dina Castor, and I believe she won here. And it's a fast course, so he's always told me from the beginning that if I was to run a marathon, my first one would be in Chicago, mm-hmm. but then the trial slipped in the way. But he's a big believer in Chicago, and he thinks that I can perform well with my race style, my abilities. So Chicago, just from a coaching standpoint or better advising than what I would think to for myself, is the place to be. It's a world major, so I think mm-hmm. that 
the Olympics for one thing, World Majors for the second thing, and if you finish top three in, in a World Major, it's almost like as good as the Olympics. Mm -hmm. So it's a good challenge to get through all those tough sessions. And of course, like there's a big push over here of a Latino Hispanic community. Mm -hmm. And I know that Mile A team runs right through like Pilsen, which mm -hmm. is a big, big support group that I have out yeah. there. So, and not to mention that the Mexicans are like the biggest international crowds in attendance. Mm -hmm. So it's just, all in all, it just feels like home. And I feel yeah. comfortable in Chicago. And it's just, it's the place where I want to perform well. And I feel that last year I had the opportunity, but it didn't materialize the way I wanted it. So this is the place where I envisioned myself having success in a marathon. Mm -hmm. That bottle, man. <laughs> so before we move on to your future goals, can you talk to me about how the Latino Mexican community has impacted you as you've become a runner and how you've impacted it? Yeah, so I grew up in a, I guess, highly populated area of Latinos. And then I left to Northern Arizona to Flagstaff, and it's the complete opposite. It's just, it was culture shock. So I, I kind of grew accustomed to just knowing that my my roots were with the Mexican-American community, but that I was away from it in Flagstaff. So when I came to Chicago, I was pleasantly surprised to realize a big support group. I go for runs by the lake, and I see a lot of Hispanics out there. And at first, you know, I didn't catch any attention from them, but for so many trips I've made out here, it's fun because I go out on the lake, and I run into people, and they actually say hello. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's fun, and it's an added motivation, added incentive with everything that's going around us to just try to kind of prove a point that we are hardworking people mm -hmm. and that we're up to good stuff, mm -hmm. and we, you know, we're just regular people. We're, there's nothing special <laughs> to us, nothing negative or positive. We're just people that are trying to have fun and compete with other people mm -hmm. and do our best. Mm -hmm. That's a good statement for everyone to hear. Okay, so moving into your future goals, as you think about where you want to go next, where you want your running career to go next, and where you just want to be as a, as a human being, can you talk about a big goal that you want to accomplish and how you plan to get there? So I know this is a huge goal, but I'd like to win a world major someday. Mm -hmm. And if we're being specific, it'd be nice to win Chicago in the future. <laughs> <laughs> but... You know, another big goal is to return to the Olympics. I, would, I have my Tokyo as a big goal, mm -hmm. and uh, in the marathon is what I'm targeting just because I feel that I've gotten to the point where I know my strengths and my weaknesses, mm -hmm. and I'm never going to have the short speed to close in a fast tactical track race, but the marathon is a different thing where, you know, you take away the rabbits, which is another reason why I like Chicago, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden you're competitive. Mm -hmm. You're in there in the later stages, Whereas you go to a faster race with rabbits, and then I'm not even a factor because they're going to run 203. And even if I run 207, 208, then I'm half a mile behind them. Mm -hmm. So that is the big goal to try to one day win a world major marathon, which at the moment sounds like a big, big goal. But I think it, with the setup like Chicago provides it, it's quite possible if the training is there. Because mm -hmm. I think if you manage to be in 207, 206 shape, and you can race well and run your own race, then you can factor in there. So we're talking about finishing a marathon in two hours and seven minutes, which is incredibly fast. And it's a number that just rolls off your tongue. So when, <laughs> when you looked at running your first marathon, did you think these times were attainable or are they, are they something you really had to work at with your coach? I think going into my first one, I knew that it was a championship style race in the heat. So I wasn't thinking fast times. But from the beginning, we've always thought that 206, 207 would be an achievable, realistic, humanly possible goal for me based on my previous times. Because the first time I ran a serious half marathon, I went under 61 minutes, mm -hmm. and it was basically by myself. So we know that it's there, but 
after a few setbacks, then those goals just kind of disappeared, and it was like, man, I just if I could just run close to 210, and then I you fall not no offense, but you fall into the most of 99% of the mentality of the Americans that breaking 210 is a good goal, but then you uh, reassess and you actually finish a race. It's like, that wasn't that bad. You finish a marathon. It's like, <laughs> I think I can dream again. I think yeah. 207, it doesn't happen overnight. It might never happen just because of the race races that we're going to be after, but, you know, that that's a realistic goal. I train, and I've gotten up to 20 miles at that pace, 208, 207 in training, which you're still missing 10K, six miles to go, but yeah. I know that physically I can buy myself in training I can get up to uh, 20 miles at goal pace. Um, so in your life outside of running, because when you're a professional athlete and you're training for things, you're spending hours and hours a day, all of your day, probably thinking about running, if not running. So how do you sort of live your personal life outside of running? I know you have dogs. You talked about rewiring your home. So how do you sort of fit that in? I think that was a mistake I made last year. My life was running. I was consumed by the idea, and I put on these added expectations that – I should go to the Olympics, and then I took three shots and failed in all of them. And then so I think that took away the fun out of the sport. Mm-hmm. So as soon as I turned the year, the calendar, 2017, I made it my goal that I would wake up, go do my training. Once it's done, it's done. I don't overanalyze my splits. I don't care if I have a bad workout or a good one. As soon as I start cooling down, it's over. So I've managed to just put that to the side. I've made it my goal to be more. I'm, I'm a big family person, but I think I was drifting. Last year, I spent limited time in California with them. I spent most of the year in Flagstaff. So now I've made it my goal. Even for this Chicago buildup, I discussed it over with my coach, with Joe B. Holman. We decided that for me, if I can break up my training between Arizona and, and California just to be a part of my family, it'll make me happy. It'll make the training smoother. So... I've, I think it's more of a balanced lifestyle where I have fun and not in the f- sense that I go out and stuff like that. Yeah. I just turn on my PlayStation, <laughs> I play some FIFA, I wake up and watch the soccer games in the weekend, yeah. you know. So it's more of a balanced lifestyle where I also just, there's no pressure. Coming out to Chicago, mm-hmm. if I finish 30th, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do my best, but who cares? It's like there's no need to come into the race expecting to perform well because the training is there, so it should all just come natural. What's interesting about that is you're not the first athlete we've talked to who, who has had a similar experience. It's almost like when you add in something outside of the sport, it gives you that spark back. And it's interesting to hear you say that too, because when you're happy, you can can be more goal-oriented. Okay, anything else we didn't talk about in regards to your training, to your personal life, or just to passion projects that you have coming up between now and Chicago? Well, I finally finished remodeling my house. <laughs> <laughs> Did you do it yourself? Most of it. Well, let's not go there because there's a lot of uh, permits involved there. Oh. But <laughs> I did most of it myself. I did have an inspector come in and certify the electrical project. Oh so uh, I'm, I'm happy with that. So I think I've ran out of goals. I think the next goal will be to, I don't know, Maybe I'll try to buy another fixer-upper. But that was my goal for three years to just, I bought a really ugly-looking home. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm finally done. I finally sat down. uh, I think I finished Tuesday afternoon. Last week. Last week on a Tuesday. And I finally finished on Wednesday, and it was a mess. There was holes in the drywall that I had to patch up, and I finished patching it up, and I just sat down, and I just... It was a big accomplishment, and I felt relief because I never anticipated it would take three years (laughs) to finish everything. (laughs) Diego Estrada, flipping houses and running marathons. This is We Got Goals. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I said I'll be on the road. I'll be back. I'm just reaching for a goal. 
So don't be upset when I'm not around. Just know I'll be back, so no need to frown. This podcast is produced by me, Cindy Kuzma. And it's another thing that's better with friends. So please, share it with yours. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, leave us a rating or a review. We would really appreciate it. Special thanks to Jay Manu for our theme music and to our guest this week, Diego Estrada. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.